It's time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Yeah, you were ready for that. That was great. <laughs> None of those were words. I feel like I haven't seen you in like 17 weeks. I know. It's funny. We really haven't chatted since we last sit here. Sat here. Sit here. Yes. Till since we last sat here. Yeah. And we've hardly even spoken. Little small chats. Little little baby chats. Yeah, baby Facebook chats. Yeah, baby Facebook chats. <laughs> you know, the four horsemen chats. Yes. Some chats with Kathy Venturilla. Yes. Um planning uh our fall con. Yeah. Which is at is at your house. <laughs> and gonna go? The name of it is Oh, uh, the Goody Peepees con. <laughs> Goody Peepees con. <laughs> oh, by the way, for all of you who are not in on the joke, this podcast is actually called Trapped Under Plastic, the podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiast. Welcome. We're glad to have you here. Yeah, we're here for our own little hobby hangout with all of you Goody Peepees. Yes. And John calls people that. It's, I don't condone it, but he does it. I only call people that I like that. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I don't call people I don't like. It's a term peepees. of endearment. It is. Do you it's, call your wife a Goody Peepee? No, <laughs> no, uh, she would probably hurt me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my wife too. Um, yeah, don't call Amber that. No, um, maybe you could call your doggos that though. Yeah, they they're goody peepees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't lash back no. at, at much that I say. No, no. <laughs> Although Bullet was extra excited and a little friskatocious this morning. Friskatocious. She was extra friskatocious this morning. Yeah, we haven't really chatted much. Um, why is that, Scott? I feel like you've been. Had the weight of of Atlas, <laughs> the world, <laughs> the world on your shoulders over the past couple of weeks, and why is that? Oh yeah, uh, should we get into this now or into the in in the what we painted section? Oh, I mean, whatever. I thought it was kind of a preamble ramble topic. It is, but that's um, fine. We'll get into it now. You had you had a nice segue. I, I just, just fucking spiked it down. Yeah, I was like, like, no, okay, <laughs> <I> want to. <laughs> No, I'll pick it back up. All right. The last three weeks, uh, I was even doing it right before you came here. I have been editing a video. Just just editing. <laughs> not painting, not pre-production, not writing, not nothing. Just editing for three weeks straight. And like it was the normal eight hours mm-hmm. and then some extra times in the evening. And I was editing what we see here on the table before us. And for our audio listeners, it's a little fake Guild Ball match. Because I was editing the first episode of Kill Your Friends. Yes. A long-awaited series on my channel that has been teased uh, starting over three years ago. When I first launched my Patreon campaign, the the first reward for hitting a certain milestone was a series called Kill Your Friends. Mm. And I really underestimated how much work he would require from building that stupid coffee table to painting my team to you painting your team and mm-hmm. us getting familiar with the rules and then shooting it and then editing it. It, it was, was a lot. It's been a journey. Yeah. I can't, I can hardly even remember us shooting that. It was like a two years ago, wasn't it? It's was a long time ago. Maybe not that long. Maybe it was a year and a half ago. Yeah. It's, it's a year and a half, two years. It's somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, I have had my head down in that Premiere Pro timeline for three mm. weeks, um, and it's done. And I'm not sure if it's going to be out when this podcast comes out. It depends on whenever the sponsor approves of the video. But as soon as they approve it, probably the next day I'll, I'll launch it. Yeah. So uh, keep your eyes peeled this coming week, or already it's out, on the Miniac channel for the inaugural episode of Kill Your Friends. 
What are you going to do when it gets like 7,000 views? Oh, I'm going to fucking kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that is a concern. Guild Ball, unknown game. Maybe I won't get a lot of views. And that's okay. Because, you know, I'm trying to tell myself this. I don't I don't feel this yet, but I'm telling myself this. You just got you, you know, you got to be happy with the work you put into the, the video. Everything else after that doesn't matter. Right. Right? But yeah. Yeah, it, the success will follow in some form if you keep your eyes open to it once you put the work in. And so wow. I think that there that is a t-shirt. Yeah. Well, okay. I will. Um, <laughs> 1995. Plus yeah. handling. Yeah. That's a motivational poster <laughs> if I've ever seen one. Um, I think that there's so much good to this that has nothing to do with the actual game that we're playing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that will bring it success. Yeah. Um, and if not, I'll buy you tendies to make you feel better. Okay, thank you. I'll take tendies. Okay, and some famous famous cookies. No. Which brings us to our next part of the preamble ramble, and that is the giant throwdown that has been happening all across this planet of ours, which is the debate <laughs> between hard cookie and soft cookie. I don't even want to have this conversation. Like, I'm not even going to read the comments that are pro hard cookie because you guys are just you're just wrong. You're wrong. If you have to suck on your cookie, cookie to make it soft that's just nostalgia okay <laughs> you, you, you sound like a foot like from when you're a baby you've been no 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 you've been eating famous amos cookies since you were seven years old and that's why you like it not because it's good oh it's so good oh the chewy chips ahoy is like what is this made of why is it still chewy this isn't fresh out the oven this ain't right. Fresh out the oven is soft, you dingus. No, no, no. I'm talking, no, no, ab- no. <laughs> I'm talking about the store purchased cookie. I'm not talking about we're comparing homemade cookies, obviously. Although, I will say, once our cookies get past the nice, warm, fresh phrase, you know where they go? In the fridge. In the freezer, baby. In the, f- in the what freezer. What is wrong with you? They go in the freezer because they're way better because they keep the freshness. They don't dry out and become stale so quick like cookies tend to do. In the freezer, they're like a perfect cookie forever in this cryo chamber. <laughs> chocolatey goodness. So you, you just you take it out and then heat it up again? No, I you eat it frozen. You, you eat it frozen? Yes, I eat it frozen. That's not, that's, that, that's not fresh. That's frozen. I know, but it's not. It, it doesn't lose the moisture, man. It's all about. It's all about the moisture. It's all about the moisture. Put it in a container that keeps the moisture in the container. Yeah, I just put them on my wet palette overnight. <laughs> Get all nice and moldy. Let me ask you a question, Scott. Ask me a question. Have you heard of this cookie? It might be might be new to you. You may, may or may not have oh, heard this don't cookie. Even, don't even invoke this cookie is called the Oreo cookie, okay. Scott. Okay, okay. Is the Oreo cookie a soft cookie or a hard cookie, Scott? It's, it's both. The middle is soft. and the, the That's not a cookie. That's a filling. <laughs> I don't eat the Oreo for the cookie. I eat it for the filling because I eat double stuff because I do that right as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, you got you got me there. Have you okay. ever tried the thin Oreos? No, I haven't. I just <laughs> don't. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you know what? We're going to make these low fat because they're littler and thinner. And then you just eat the whole sleeve anyway, and you're like, I just wish I would have eaten the double stuff. <laughs> Same amount of calories. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, it's the combination. But if the Oreo cookie was soft, it would not be as good. Okay. Well, I have a, 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 another thing to admit here. I dip my Oreo, in the milk. and I dip it in milk until normal bu- no, no more bubbles come out. So I, kill, oh. so I kill it. Oh no! Well, that means the Oreo. <laughs> yeah. What that means is it's soggy. It's all soft, what? and I 
Love that. Now that's weird. I, okay, that's maybe kind of weird. I used to do that when I was a kid. When you were a kid, but now you grow. You've grown up now. Yeah, and then I became a man. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't drink milk, so oh. I mean that was. I mean, one of the reasons I did the uh, the old Elton Brown thing. Okay, where I realized like a way for me to not get fatter was to not have milk in the house because this is exactly what Elton oh, Brown did. When he lost oh. weight because then you don't eat cereal. And you don't have all the sweets that go with milk. Chocolates, cookies, Cake. brownies, yes. cakes. Everything is is got some kind of like mental connection to milk. And so if wow. the milk's not there, I don't enjoy cookies as much because I don't have milk with them. Yeah, it's like, what's the point? Let's just skip it until yeah. I have milk. And you never have milk, so then you lose weight. Bam. Boom. Alvin yeah. Brown. Smarter in more ways than one. I know. All right. Let's move it on. <laughs> you might think this is a cookie podcast. It is not, I assure you. <laughs> Soft for the win. Oh, God. Next point in the preamble ramble, does anyone reward themselves with model assembly? I have a take on this, but I want you to go first. Yeah, this came to my mind because last night I'm thinking of topics for this, and I got to a point in my current video where I was ahead of schedule. Schedule. Uh, it was like 7.30 p.m. on a Thursday, and I got to where I wanted to be by end of day Friday. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some fun. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to do some fun hobby stuff. And I look all around, and what excited me and what I chose to do was assemble models. <laughs> and it's just, it's it's a different wavelength. It's a different part of the brain. It's a different level of satisfaction. And I just, I found like I do that more and more. Mm-hmm. Not only because I've got to put together an entire 40K army, <laughs> but it's just kind of fun to yeah. do that. Do you do that at all? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely very zen to do it. It's probably one of the most zen parts of the hobby for me, unless I'm just painting something that I'm very, very familiar with. Mm-hmm. But also, at the same time, people will use assembly as a way to avoid what they should be doing. Right. So, I mean, I've seen people who are just super into assembly and have, you know, fully assembled armies that just go unpainted for years. Mm. I mean, I'm one of them. So. <laughs> I mean, may- maybe uh, here's uh, something we can we can learn from is especially if you do enjoy the assembly part of the the hobby or maybe there's a different part of the hobby that you you equally enjoy that's not painting um let that be your reward Mm. use that as your carrot for your little donkey to go chasing (laughs) after on the stick and i'm I'm gonna allow myself to build this five-man squad but first i need to paint this other five-man squad right and then i get my reward right and both the reward and the task ahead of the reward are both related to getting you further down the hobby Yes. I do also want to mention that we're talking about painting like it's an unenjoyable thing. Right. But there are times when painting is enjoyable. Yes. There is there is a point. There should be a point in every yes. paint job. Yes. That is enjoyable. Oftentimes, the biggest roadblock is just the getting going because yeah. you put this big hill in front of yourself and you mm. look at the entire hill and be like, it's going to be so hard to get up this entire hill. Preach. Just look at your feet, man. Don't look at the top of the hill. Just look at your feet. <laughs> One foot in the other, front of the other. Before you know it, you'll be halfway up the hill and you're having fun. You found a little bunny, made a bunny friend. Bunny friend's going with you the rest of the time. Great. I'm seeing a, a black border with a picture of seagulls and a mountain mm-hmm. and white font below it, which states everything that you just said in a poster in an office space somewhere in the early 2000s. Yes. <laughs> and this guy is sitting in his cubicle and he's just looking at these seagulls. And he was like, One day. One day. I'm going to reach the top of that hill. I'm going to catch a seagull. I'm going to eat its head. <laughs> got to eat its heart. Okay. Your chair. You got a new chair. We've talked about this in the past. It's a Gamer Boy chair, but it's not like a Gamer Boy brand. It is. 
So uh, Herman Miller. Herman Miller, the Aeron. It's the Aeron Gaming Edition. Yes. Which the Gaming Edition is the exact same chair <laughs> as the Aeron chair. It's just matte black. Which is better. <laughs> which is better, which yeah. is why I got it. Yeah. Um, it's otherwise the exact same chair. Okay. Um, other than the big giant box that it came in. By the way, the size of the box is almost as big as a refrigerator box. Okay. It was just not quite as tall because it's fully put together. You okay. do nothing. And the <laughs> opening of the box is like an event. <laughs> Like, like it, fog rolls out. Well, like it, it has an order of which you open everything up and, oh. it, and it tells you things as you're pulling up these cardboard it's, things. The box speaks to you? I mean, it, it kind of. Hello, John. <laughs> you made a wise purchase. <laughs> Give us five out of five stars. Yes. <laughs> and then finally, the last two folds of the box is pure black and you open them up. And all inside, it's black. I'm like, there's no chair in here. Oh. They got me. <laughs> <laughs> just, just has bricks in the bottom. That's why it's heavy. <laughs> so I've had it uh, for about a week and a half now. And I got to say, I love this freaking chair. Did it make you a better painter? Uh, n- no. Okay. <laughs> no, it didn't. But it makes me more comfortable while I'm painting. There you go. And I don't get this part of painting when i'm painting for three four five hours where eventually like my lower back i can start to feel it Mm. um and then when that starts to happen if you are very tense or if you're working very tightly on some small little detail like that can be you know a point of contention for your steadiness of your hands oh yeah so um it's just super comfortable that's all i have to say it's was it worth fifteen hundred dollars i don't think it's fifteen hundred dollars comfortable yeah but if you're gonna spend a good amount of money it's it's was pretty pretty nice so let's talk chairs for a bit the chair i'm sitting in right now <laughs> you sit in like a 1996 cushy half eaten by rats <laughs> <laughs> wobbly ass chair i got this chair when i was a sophomore in high school so is that 16 yep yeah i am 29 now and i use the same chair And the handles, you know, they're broken. The cardboard in there is totally scuffed. Um, But for some reason, I can sit in this thing for 38 hours. And what hurts is not my butt or my back. It's my hands because that's, you know, what I'm trying to say is, I don't know why, but this chair is fine. Uh And I don't get it. Mm. I want to buy a fancy chair. Yeah. You'll get it when when you fuck up your back. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And so it's fine until it's not fine. Okay, it's, it's one, one of those, those things. things. Yeah. Okay. Also, you're a youngster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you can do damage now that you won't be able to repair. 29-year-old youngster. Okay. Yeah, 29-year-old youngster. You're not even 30. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's getting there, dude. The dirty 30's coming. Oh, man. I'm going to have such a sweet birthday party for you. <laughs> Everyone has to wear mustaches. Oh, yeah. Because we can't grow them. Right? No. Yeah. we we'll like fake ones. <laughs> All right. Let's roll a die to see who talks about what they painted first. Okay. High roll. High roll. That's a cocked. High roll. High roll chooses. Chooses. I'm gonna beat it too. Look at that six. Oh, six. If only I could actually roll a six when we actually played this goddamn game. Okay. Having just come hot the process of editing that video, you rolled plenty of sixes. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't my dice rolls. I think that lost me the game. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a little bit of everything. A little bit. Uh, there was some points where there were some key dice rolls that did not go my way that would have maybe changed the outcome, but. Yeah. Um, if, uh, this is purely off of my memory from a year and a half ago, though. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm doing the gamer thing where it's like, well, you know, man, my dice sucked. 
That's why I lost. Maybe. That's what we all tell ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Okay. So you're going to talk about what you painted first because this is going to be quick. <laughs> all right. I painted nothing. I painted nothing in the last three weeks. The last time I painted was when you came over or when I was streaming. Yeah. Uh, were you it was there? two weeks ago with the chain rasp. Oh, shit. I painted a chain rasp. Oh, technically. I painted. <laughs> that was after the last filming. We did a... It was. We did an orange... Oil. We did an orange. <laughs> we we did an experiment with an oil wash, which is oh God. on topic. Oh yeah. I had a red, which on the tube looked red, but when we opened it, was a very fiery orange. Fiery. And we're like, let's try to make a wash out of it just to see what happens. And so you did a little wash and you applied it to a model, and it's definitely like hazard cone orange. It is. Um. So that was a no go. I need a red, but I painted the rest of a chain rasp. Um. I'm not sure if I said why, but it was for Vince. I left 10 chain rasps at his house and he needs to see how I would paint a chain rasp because he's going to paint all 10 of them mm -hmm. because he's Vince. Yes, he's And Vince. He, he can't suffer a plastic, gray plastic model in his house. No. Um, so I painted that so he could see it. And then after that, I painted something. Oh, the vampire, the vampire. Oh, oh yeah, I painted more of my vampire. I, like he has like a skulls and like leather straps on his back. I painted a lot of stuff. This leads me to... Uh, think about uh, the paint color and and not just it doesn't just affect oil paints this affects acrylic paints as well what it looks like the color on the tube or the color on the bottle or whatever mm -hmm. yeah is often not exact right and even if they're uh you know see-through bottles of paint they're not a hundred percent clear uh, the plastic isn't so the color that you see when you pick up the bottle is, is not accurate to what the color actually looks like um, so what I do when I, especially now when I would go and buy oil paints at the, the art store is you, you can just unscrew the lid. Yeah. I didn't look do at that. The, look at the paint. And that's why I, I like I, most miniature paints, you can do that too. Like if I go on, go on the shelf and grab a Vallejo paint, I'll unscrew the lid, squeeze it just a little bit. So the, the paint color comes up and you can't do that for games workshop. Because it got that stupid little perforated edge thing. I guess you could. You could. You could yeah, you'd be kind of a dick if you did that. Yeah, if you did it and then didn't buy it. I mean, shit's going to dry out right away anyway. Who cares? Ooh, wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's important to, uh, if you're getting something because you need a certain color, you want it to look a certain way, make sure you you look at it. Yeah. Which is one tough thing about buying stuff online. Oh, yeah. You can't point. really do that. No, you can't. You can't might really. buy some color shapers. You want them to be stiff and it turns out they're oh, God. flaccid AF. Yeah, you need those those rigid color shapers. <laughs> yes. you, sometimes you need a, a flaccid color shaper. Yeah. Sometimes you need a nice firm color shaper. You need both. Hard as rock. <laughs> All right, what'd you paint? What did I paint? That was actually something. Well, you painted some things. Um, I didn't paint on that stream, and I won't be painting on the stream this afternoon either. Uh, I'm actually putting together something different though today, so I'm excited for that. Not wrapped. It was Raptors last time. Ah, it's not even oh, for my forty. I have your shoulder pads. Oh, I forgot my shoulder pads here. Yes, and I was putting together the uh, regular Chaos Space Marines, which I was going to use those shoulder pads for, and I was done assembling six of them before I remembered that I was like, "Oh crap!" I was going to put those other shoulder pads on. Oh, and I looked all over, on? and I couldn't find them anywhere but these are like those they're not push fit but they're like they're one they're where they're like the parts come together weird and the shoulder pad is also like part of the whole body oh, and God. it's at a funny angle and so i'm kind of nervous about even doing that but i'm coming up with my own design for the chapter symbol that they each have a nice flat um 
shoulder pad in one of the two that I think I'm just going to create that symbol okay. instead for these. Because it's only 10. I only run 10 regular ones in there anyway. So I got other things to use the shoulder pads for. Don't you, you worry. Are you planning, are you planning decals? No, I'm not going to decals. Although Decals. in my Discord, we were talking about decals, and I am scared of them. <laughs> I remember when I was a wee laddie, and I was putting together model kits. I used to put together, I started with like cars and planes, and then I realized that they have Star Wars model kits. Yes. And I put together like an AT-ST, and it had decals. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like 12, and I don't really know how this stuff's supposed to work. Yeah. And I made a giant freaking mess of that. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I never painted any of those model kits either. I just put them together. Yeah, some model kits are just designed to be put together. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like, the plastic is a certain color, so yeah. the, the car can be purple because it's purple plastic. Um, so I've had that in my brain my entire life that I'm scared of decals. It's easy. Yeah, there's, I, like, special sauce for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the hardest part is probably when the surface is curved. So, like, the main thing that you would encounter, oh, yeah. <laughs> like a, a shoulder pad. But if you use uh, certain types of special sauce, it softens the decal, makes it conform to a round surface. With water, you'll get wrinkles. And there are ways around it. But why would you do that when you can just use the, the right stuff? Yeah. I'll just spend $12 on something to do the work for me. Exactly. I don't think I'm going to use them, but I, I maybe I will. I haven't decided yet. Anyway, what I actually painted was I painted a piece of Warhammer terrain. Mm. So um, I think you and I are on the same wavelength from this, that ever since the kind of 3D printing craze hit, the thing that drew my attention and excitement for 3D printing was all the opportunities and all the potential that 3D printing can bring us for creating terrain mm -hmm. and creating stuff for our bases, for our models, creating dioramas, creating scenes. And that's things like trees, like statues, like pillars, like all that kind of stuff that technically you can build yourself. And those are often fun. But um, if I want to make some cool looking Warhammer terrain that's thematic to my army, mm. I don't want to spend 40 hours crafting my own trees and my own individual cool little statues and pillars and stuff. You don't? I just want to print it out <laughs> and then put my effort and the time into making the scenery look cool and the paint job look thematic. Yeah. Organizing it and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I, I created a fun little piece of, of scenery that I'll be using for my death armies. Um, probably for my soul blight grave lords army. Impending. Impending soul blight grave lords. And I even like planned it out how. Um, it's kind of set up almost like a triangle shape and we'll show you pictures on the screen here, but there's an area of like a, a crossroads in the middle of the terrain piece where a unit could go through or a hero could go in there and on there. One thing I don't like a lot about a train is a lot of train is just like, this is like three trees and there's really no spots inside the three trees on your spot that models can hang out. Yeah. I want a spot where my little guys can hang out in there and these big fat giants and orcs can't come in because their base sizes are too big. <laughs> so we're gaming the system, boys. There's always an angle. Yeah, there's got to be an angle. Uh, if you see, if you're next level, you make the trees removable. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Why would I Let's do that? Let's not get ridiculous. Let's not get ridiculous. That dude couldn't land there. There's a tree there. Why would I move the tree? For gaming reasons. What gaming reasons? Well, because people can organize their feet. Organize? They can stand in ways other than just. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. But the base, you're still restricted by the base. Does Why? the base fit? Why, though? 
Why should you be restricted by that? Because that's kind of an integral part of the whole game is dealing around base sizes. I think that's just lame. It's like a skeleton is on the same size base as a dragon. It's like, what? I mean, this game isn't chess. Why do we pretend that things are important like that? Just <laughs> let me let my guy hit your guy in the woods, okay? It's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's, a, he's just a big giant dude. He can't get into these woods. Okay. These uh, are vampire can, trees. He can crush the trees and well, then crush you. Well... Technically, the giants can destroy terrain pieces. Oh, really? Yeah. That's fun. Which is cool. So then, yeah, good on you. You destroyed the trees. Now the trees are gone. Now you see this little necromancer in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, You're getting in my sack, boy. <laughs> get, get in my sack. Uh, also, they're vampire trees, Scott. So it's spooky in there. Oh. These guys are too scared to go into my spooky trees. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So that's what I painted. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, I did some oil work on that as well which we're going to talk about today in in the topic yeah so i mean why don't you explain what this video is going to be because you're the authority on it i'm the authority well i don't want to like i don't want to this is not going to be a comprehensive oil painting guide um but it's going to be one where it's like you are interested in it and you want to know maybe what to look at what to think about what to how to use oil paints in your painting projects if you've never used it before mm-hmm. um and i'm i'm a novice john's more experienced so i'm gonna be asking him questions about it and my concerns i've had a little bit of experience um but, but before we do that though i think you're just gonna give us kind of an overview sure okay yeah so this really stems from a, a deeper question <laughs> which is the way that we go about painting miniatures is often guided to us by the companies that have the most investment in this hobby. Okay? So the companies that produce the products tailored for us. And so it really starts with the question of, is what they're telling us we need to do, the things we're supposed to use, is that necessarily always the right answer or is it the best answer for me? Wow. We're getting deep. <laughs> We're going deep down that hole. One second. Sean Fleming was the one who suggested this as a topic. He's one of our patrons. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. All right. Fleming. All right. Go go, go down that rabbit hole. No, I lost my train Shit. of thought. I'm Shit. staring at the dice. You're talking about Sean's Fleming over there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Um, right. So, you know, it, the, to me, the, the first part was being introduced into like heavy body acrylics and other acrylic paints and going to the art supply store and seeing all these things that are used to paint things. And we quickly kind of understand that really all miniature paints are, are pre-thinned acrylic paints with, in general, a nice, uh, very finely grained pigment that doesn't break up easily. And it's made to go over smoothly with a thinner medium that's in it. But it's still just acrylic paint. So if all this stuff that's been on the market for hundreds of years for artists to use for acrylic paints is really not that much different than the tube paints that we buy for our models, what about all the other stuff in the art world? What about all the other options and all their other things? And we're starting to see more of that come to pass in our hobby in regards to things outside of just this is a miniature painting paintbrush this is a miniature painting paint this is a miniature painting wet palette all these things that are tailored for us what else is out there and that eventually um, led me to do a little bit digging on oil paints and come to find out 
there are amazing miniature painters that have been using oil paints for a while or just recently have really gotten into it pretty heavily. Um, I would be remiss to not mention two big names in this right now so you don't feel like I'm just stealing people's thunder or anything. And number one is Dmitry Fischesko, who is an amazing uh, traditional artist that paints in oils. And he has transitioned that directly over to miniatures. And he paints the majority of his miniatures in oils. And we just saw one recently, I think, in a recent episode that I picked as one of my favorite um, models was mm. one of his. Yeah. And that was done almost exclusively in oils. And the other person is obviously James Wapple. Um, James Wapple has been a traditional artist for all his life and has made his living doing that. And he's got a really interesting story of how he transitioned from doing mostly 2D art and prints, um, oftentimes uh, Celtic-themed, that he would go to, he and Kathy would go to shows all over the country to have a uh, basically a booth and sell their art. And they'd make most of their income at those shows. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the exact reason, but for some reason that fell off and he's always been a gamer and the opportunity to kind of change his career direction into the miniature art world um, happened and he did not start with oils that way and he painted traditionally with acrylics for a long time but at some point he tested them out and now he paints almost exclusively in oils because he sees all the values that they that they offer that when we talk about the pros and cons of any kind of medium um, one of the big cons of acrylics is just the really um, the fast drying time, which comes even more um, heightened when you're dealing with very thin paint, which is what we need to have to paint these models. And then we have all these other workarounds and techniques that allow us to blend colors that try to make up for the fact that we can't blend them on the model because it dries so fast. So that's why... Um, oils kind of have come to pass as being a little bit more popular now but that's not their only benefit or value so there's my long-winded introduction to the question of are acrylics really the best paints for for miniature painting wow that was a pretty cool synopsis of james wapple's career and a little introduction to dimitri fasajko yeah they're both kathy wapple being his wife right yep okay yep okay so, as John alluded to, the benefits of oil paints are their extended drying time, which allows you to uh, paint and blend on the model for a longer period of time. I actually didn't realize this until later in the game. I painted on a canvas with acrylics. I painted like a sun. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, this is so much easier to paint than a miniature. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why? And it's because I could just put so much paint on the canvas and it right. took so much longer to dry. I could blend for such a long time. So mini painting has this unique problem where the canvas we paint on is tiny. The amount of paint in our brush is much less than a normal canvas painter. And also sometimes you use brushes that are even smaller, significantly smaller than, than canvas painters. So those three things put together means that our paints dry markedly faster than typical 2d uh painting on a canvas so we have this problem to deal with and oftentimes we deal with it by you know licking our brush and feathering constantly mm -hmm. using drying extenders and all these things but we really just it's, just it's a pain in the ass to deal yeah. with and so oil paints can help us in having that increased uh drying time yeah. so the first thing i feel like a beginner would ask is this like 
where do I start? What do I get? Like, what do I need in my essential oil painting kit? And where do I get it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. <laughs> Just keep stalling while you think of the answer. Right. I will keep saying words while my brain works in the background. Um, <laughs> so there's two main things that you can do with oil paints as a beginner. Um, in fact, the, the first one and the one that I usually recommend is to, to help you understand how they work is to start by learning how to do oil washes. Because to me, an oil wash, most of the time, 80% of the time, is strictly better than doing the same kind of wash with an acrylic wash. Um, it is just, it flows so much easier. It gets to where you want it to go. It doesn't settle on any kind of, of you know, little surfaces on the large flat areas. Like we've all seen if you, if you take a contrast paint and you put it over a Space Marine shoulder pads, it looks like garbage yeah. because it can't, it, it's not as viscous enough to get to where you want it to go and, and create this nice, smooth, lighter area on the upward part of the, of the shape. Um, oils just do that. And so the, the second thing is to actually move into using them in a, th at a thicker level to use them to do actual blending and actual um, highlights and shadows and, and layers um, as well. But I think for most folks, I recommend you start with the oil washes for two reasons. The first one is it's much easier to do and it's much more satisfying to see the value of it. You'll notice right away, especially if you've been using null oil before, that you're like, holy cow, this black oil wash just seeps and creates really nice dark parts in the model. And then... I can go over it with a Q-tip or a makeup sponge and I can remove it exactly how much I want. So you have so much more control because even though it's thinned down to be as thin as water, you still have this long drying time and with a little bit of mineral spirits, you can remove any of that wash where it either pooled or whether it's on a flat area and you don't want it mostly gone, it'll still leave it slightly tinted so it's not completely erased and you'll get the final look that you want without feeling the pressure of time of needing to just make sure I do this all and keep a wet edge over all my null oil so I don't get coffee staining and and where it's at is where it's at and I could screw it all up and there's nothing I can really do about it. Um, oil washes are a great place to start. Okay, let's pause. I don't want to make oil washes out to be something that they aren't. And what it sounds like a beginner might interpret what you're saying is if you just start using oil washes, it is a free upgrade with like no time invested. Almost like people talk about airbrushes, right? Sure. It's a cheat, right? Exactly. I think there is a nuance to oil washes. Yes, there um, is. And, you know, I've tried it and I've had mixed results. I've had yeah. grainy results. I've had results where I put the oil wash in the recess and for some reason the pigments collect to the wrong side of the line and I have like a dark line that's like one millimeter off of my recess. I have all kinds of strange, I, and when I try to dab up the oil paint, I dab up what is in the recess and not what is, uh, not what's on the surface. So there is a learning curve to this. Yeah. Um, and I would love if we could get specific about how to do an oil wash uh, 
just because I think that's what most people are going to try first. Sure. And I want them to have success. So wh- what are the specifics in terms of viscosity, like what to thin, what to look for, how, how it should behave, things like that. Yep. So the the one key product that you're going to need in, in there's two, um, two key products. The first thing you're going to need is odorless mineral spirits or odorless terps. It's often called in Europe, a turpentine. Turpentine. Is it, is it the same thing? Uh, they're not exactly the same thing, but they're pretty much okay. They both do the they both do the job the same way. And okay. Basically, act the same way. Okay. Um, there are other ways. There are other products out there, and, and again, I'm not an expert, so I don't know every single thing that's in the oil painting aisle and all those little bottles. Right. But um, there are other things that that can do the same thing or similar things. But yes, you need that older odorless mineral spirits. Do not get the stuff from the hardware store. That's mineral spirits or white spirits or turpentine. Do not get that because you will fry your brain cells as you're sitting in your room um, using that to make washes and and thin stuff up because it's much more potent. It's made to remove heavy-duty stuff, um, and it smells terrible. So you want the the stuff from the art store. Um, The second thing that you're going to need is oil paint. (laughs) <laughs> shucker um and this leads into one of the issues that you've had and that is the quality of the oil paint yeah so there are two main categories there's student grade and there's artist grade and the student grade is the cheaper and one of the big reasons that differentiates the student and the artist is the pigment size mm. so if you get the cheaper student grade stuff if you try to make washes with it you are more likely to run into a separating issue okay I found this when I first started with a lamp black by Windsor and Newton student grade that when I thinned it too much well, not even too much I thinned it to a, a pretty thin consistency I could see it it looked like like coffee grounds it actually had separated enough yeah um, and so the unfortunate thing for getting into oil painting is the investment up front. Most colors will cost you 10 to $15 a tube. Yeah. Now, that tube will last you probably your entire life. Yeah. Or pretty close to it. Um, and so I would suggest you not buy the $7 student grade black. Instead, buy the $12 artist grade black. That way, when you do oil washes and you're going to thin it down, if you want it really thin, that artist grade will hold up and it will not separate. And the separation is really kind of the key to, from my experience anyway, again, I don't know all of this, but from the issues that you've had and I've had similar issues, it's with the student grade. Because when it doesn't settle right or when all the mineral spirits and oils in the oil evaporate and all that's left is the pigment set there, it can shift because the pigments are still stuck higher than you want them to be when everything is is uh, dried out. Right. And so when it's a really fine pigment, it'll settle where you want it to go. Okay. So those are the two things. And then you asked about um, dilution or, or how much you thin them to create the right consistency. This is really a, a kind of a, something where you're going to have to put in the, the, the time and effort. Yeah, there's a spectrum here. Yes. And you and the nice thing about this is is you're gonna create your own wash with just those two products, mineral spirits and the oil paint. And so what I do is I take a little cup and uh, I first put a little bit of oil paint on either a piece of cardboard or a hard palette or whatever, and I don't put it in that cup. I then put in a little bit of mineral spirits in there. 
uh, maybe a quarter of an inch, something like that, depending on how much I need. And then I take a bit of that, that black paint and I mix it around with a brush. Again, any brush works. Don't use your good, you know, Kalinsky sable brushes for this, but you've got junk brushes. Um, and the good thing about applying washes, any junk brush will do. Um, and I mix that up and I will keep adding more paint to it until it gets the consistency I want. And why I do it this way is I've added the amount of mineral spirits that is going to be the amount of the wash I'm going to need. Right. So if I'm going to need a big amount, I, I use how much of the mineral spirits up to fill that cup up to know that. So mm -hmm. I've always, I'm already not worrying about having to go back and forth and more mineral spirits, more oil, more in mineral spirits. I start with where I want to get, and then I go a little bit at a time of mixing in the oil till I slowly build up to the consistency I want. Okay. Um, otherwise, you can find that your ratio quickly can kind of get out of hand from you if you keep adding forth back and forth one and the other, and you'll get further away from where you want. The next piece of advice that I have is you want it... You want it obviously thin where it will still feel like water, but there's variations of it always being like water and how much oil is actually in there. Um, and a piece of advice is that oftentimes we think it needs to be super thin like our null oil is. So it's just almost like a gray because it's so thin. With oils, because you can remove them um, with a Q-tip or a sponge, I find that I often like to go a little bit darker than I'm comfortable with. A little thicker. A little thicker. Okay. Yep. And when I, and when I say thicker, it's it's not actually going to be like, you know, like the consistency of whole milk versus the consistency of skim milk. There's still roughly the same viscosity, but it's just your ratio is off. So the color is more deep, it's okay. more deep black and not just like a very thin down black. Okay. That's something that um, I find that once you get a little bit thicker stuff on there and you remove it from where you want it off that the parts that you didn't remove it on will really have that pop of black. So that's kind of the, the entry level of creating washes. And you could say, well, I'm too nervous. I really, really enjoy this paint job. I don't want to make it too black and just ruin the whole thing. Um, you know, that's fine too. You can go a little bit thinner. But I found that when I went thinner, too thin, I was like, at the end result, it was still really nice looking, but I was like, yeah, it didn't have as much of a punch as what I wanted. Okay, let me fire some questions at you. Yeah. You put your oil paint on a car on a piece of cardboard. Now, I know some people do that specifically so that the cardboard absorbs some of the oil in the paint. Are you doing that for that specific reason, or are you just doing it because it's a throwaway palette? Uh, both. both. But um, the one thing that it will absorb is the linseed oil Yeah, that's in the, the oil paint. And the linseed oil is what makes it take forever to dry. Okay. So the nice thing about oil paints... Um, is that they are sl very slow to dry, but also what can also be a pain in the butt is that they're very slow to dry. <laughs> right, right. So you still, if that's on a piece of cardboard and you're so soaking up some of the linseed oil, within a matter of minutes, you'll see that that paint will actually look different. It will look like it's drier, that little glob that you have on there, which is good. It's not getting crusty like oil or like acrylic paint does, right? It doesn't create a film over the top. Right. Um, but it's just, it's thinned that down. And what that does is it allows your oil wash to then dry a little bit faster because it's not, you're not waiting all that time for that linseed oil to dry. Even still, an oil wash um, and then removing it or even just an oil wash and you don't touch it, uh, because we've thinned it down so much, there's still so little linseed oil in there. Overnight, it's going to be good. 
In fact, for my terrain piece or my terrain video, um, I put down the oil wash over the whole thing, selectively removed it, and then immediately started putting acrylic paint over the top. Really? Yes. The, the reason why is, is I wasn't putting acrylic paint over spots where it was in the recesses. If I did that, it would still be wet. Right. But over the surfaces where there was, um, I had removed most of it or it hadn't pooled there at all, within a matter of 30 minutes or less, it was able to you know, take other paints. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because white spirits evaporates very quickly and there's very much quickly. oil paint there. Okay. So that was my next question was dry times. You recommend overnight, something like 24 to 16 hours, something like that. And you should be able to paint on top of it without any problems. Yep. And you don't need to varnish it first. Okay. See a lot of people they're like, well, you put your oil paints on. Now you got to varnish before you put on your acrylics. I've never had an issue um, either before, after, year year after having any issues of something with the paints acting funny now if you don't want to go just by my recommendation you certainly can throw a quick coat of matte varnish over there i just don't like to keep putting varnish over my models and pulling everything to the same level of dullness or shine yeah i want them to to be different, different. um now sometimes if the oil paints are are kind of thick and it can happen sometimes in the recesses on these washes. Uh, oil paints are shinier naturally. You can buy thinners that are matte thinners. So different companies make them. I use one by um, Abtalung and it's a bottle and it's called matte thinner and it's for oil paints. And I don't just use that to thin. I put maybe, you know, a teaspoon of that in when I do... <laughs> my mix or whatever a couple doing, of drops when you're doing your baking yeah when i'm yeah great british baking show <laughs> i don't want a soggy bottom so <laughs> no. um and that will thin it down as well so i don't use strictly that because that would be expensive it's like ten dollars for this little bottle and you do go through a fair amount of mineral spirits when you're thinning and cleaning because you use the mineral spirits to clean up your brushes at the end as well so is it like one fourth like this thinner from optilong and then three fourths mineral spirits something like that yep Okay. Yep. And different oil paints, again, here we're getting into artsy fartsy stuff. <laughs> different oil colors, different pigments have different amount of shine. Also, I find there's less shine the more of that linseed oil you can get off on the um, on the uh, cardboard first as well. Okay. Some of that shine, I, I, I think that most of the shine comes from the linseed oil itself, okay. not from the pigments. Um, so, yeah, there's that. I do, yeah, roughly a... F- three to one or four to one of regular mineral spirits to this stuff. I typically don't use the matte thinner on washes. Okay. I just, there's so little that's on there. And in fact, if you want more drama, the tiny bit of shine that that black wash is going to have on your model actually makes it feel darker Mm. because something is that it's most dark um, has a bit of shine to it. You know, if it was super matte, it looks less like black. It looks more like a dark gray. So, right. Okay. More questions. You mentioned varnishing after the oil wash, but a very common question is, do I need to varnish before I do the oil wash? Will the odorless thinners take off my acrylic paint? I've never had that happen. Um, in fact, I usually will do a basic base coat, basic bases on, <laughs> uh, over the model with my colors and then whether I'm I'm building up blending with oils or I'm doing washes, I will immediately go over that without any varnish. And then I will remove it with a Q-tip or a sponge. And it only takes off the oil. I've never had to take off the acrylic. Now, if you just do acrylic, 
then immediately oil wash and then immediately remove, there's a chance that it might because your, your acrylic paint hasn't fully cured yet. So that's totally possible, but I don't usually do it in that quick of a succession. Yeah. So give your acrylic paint some time to breathe. I mean, that's just a good tip in general. Right. Like when you're painting on top of something, let it, let the acrylic paint kind of just cure a little bit. So you're not going to rub it off because when it's in its really early stages, it's quite weak and any kind of abrasion with any kind of brush will take it off. We see this most commonly when we're doing our, we prime in black and then we do a white zenithal with ink. And yeah. if you get in there right away with, with acrylic paint, you can pull up that ink yeah uh, pretty easily because ink takes a little bit longer time to cure anyway mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so all right more questions um when it comes to wiping off the oil paint actually skip that paint brushes once i've dipped my brush into oil paint is it now forever an oil paint brush can i ever use it again for acrylic paints you absolutely can in fact i usually tried to keep mine separate and then at some point the brushes kind of got mixed together <laughs> and i forgot which was which and i know that i've been using some of my oil paint synthetics for acrylic paints the, the the key is twofold one um you make sure that you thoroughly clean them with mineral spirits after you're done with your your paint job for the day don't worry about getting them perfectly clean between each color like we do with acrylics because you're going to one run through so much mineral spirits to do that. And two, oftentimes when we're, I'm getting into the next level, not not just washes here, but right. drying them off, just wiping it down in a paper towel will get most of the color off and you're going to be blending anyway. And so if there's still a tiny bit of that green on there and I go up to a pink, there's a bit of that atmospheric color that's still sh it's going to show on your model. And it's not going to ruin anything. Right. Um, but yes, then you just, uh, you can use either one. And then I use uh, a Yosonia's brush soap and conditioner. The reason I use that product is because it's it's for both acrylic and oil paints. So I don't have to have another bottle of a thing just to clean my oils. Mm. It's extra oily. It, it almost comes out of the thing like, you know, a thin, like a baby shampoo. Yeah. And uh, it gets nice and sudsy and it cleans all the oils off as well. And so that brush, once once it's cleaned thoroughly with mineral spirits and then I have it go through uh, a wash with the brush soap, I could use anything on it. it, it the, br the bristles are clean. So what does it matter? Now, that said, I have a bunch, a handful of gunk brushes that I use for oil stuff That's I just beat the hell out of. And they're not perfectly cleaned. And I don't really care. Right. Because we all have crap brushes, right? And that's a great thing when you buy those cheap synthetic brushes that they're good for like a model and a half before they lose their tip. <laughs> what do you do with them? Well, there's a ton of things you can do with them. This just happens to be one of them. Right. Okay. Um, about wiping an oil wash off. You can do it with a Q-tip. You can do it with a makeup sponge. Um, do I need to put mineral spirits in the makeup sponge? Do I do it dry? How much do I put in the brush? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's no wrong answer here. There, it, it kind of based on your situation. So if I oil washed this guy right now, so I had my oil here, and then uh, audio listeners, you just assume I'm holding one of Scott's painted models here. So I'm just going to dunk it all and wash. If I, if I do all that, and then I grab my makeup sponge, it shouldn't be so dry that I can't just immediately wipe it off. I should be able to get it all off or at least get most of it off. The key is that that Q-tip or sponge is going to be soaking up the oil as you go. 
So you're pulling it off. It's a subtractive method. And you need to continually be swapping the sides or tossing that one away and getting another one. Because otherwise you're just pushing around the oil that's on the makeup sponge and you're not doing yourself any service. Right. Now, if I wanted to wait a little while, let's say I did a whole squad of 10 dudes and I went back to the beginning, um, it might be cured enough to where just doing that, and you can always test it. Take a dry Q-tip and put it over there. Is hardly anything coming off. That's where I know I need just a little bit of mineral spirits on there. What I like to do is keep one side of the Q-tip with a little mineral spirits on it, the other side without. Nice. And so I take the area, so let's say on this guy's cloak right here, you have the highlight going through. I'll take a swipe through with the mineral spirit sides because it will remove all of it. Yeah. And then I flip sides. Um, and so there's a little bit of mineral spirits on the surface there. And I just kind of blend it on either side of that stroke that I made. Ooh. And it blends it down to the darkest part. That's next level. Yeah. That's something that I just recently tried. Actually, for the recent video that I did for the oil wash I did on the... Um, 54 millimeter inquisitor model eisenhorn eisenhorn i tried that for the first time and i was like oh my gosh i'm never not going to do this now it's That's next level it's it's so much easier and you have more even more control and so i use those little makeup sponges that are both sides um there's plus and minuses of the makeup sponge versus the q-tip the q-tip doesn't pull as much off as the makeup sponge so if you're not as kind of practiced and Q-tips are cheaper. You probably already have them at home. But if you're if you're not as practiced in removing oil wash, Q-tips will give you a little bit more of a buffer. You don't accidentally just soak it all up. <laughs> um, but once you kind of get the hang of it, um, in these uh, makeup sponges, they're oval-shaped, but then the sides are much thinner than the big oval paddle. They're kind of shaped like kayak paddles. And so I'll grab that, that small side, and I'll just slice it down, and then I flip it, and then I blend it on either side. But if it's a bigger surface, like if I wanted to do this dude's whole feathery cloak here, I could take the flat side and just kind of not put a lot of pressure down because I don't want to push it in and pull it up from where I don't want it. Mm -hmm. Just right. like working with a paintbrush, you don't always use the same amount of pressure that you're putting on the model. You just want to barely like wisp it over like you're doing a dry brush to just get the tips of the feathers here right. and not underneath. Okay, and if the the makeup sponge or Q-tip has mineral spirits on it, it's got the moisture trapped in there. And if you push too much, just like a sponge, if you had a wet sponge on your table and you were to push it down, what happens to that moisture? It leaves the sponge. It leaves the sponge. So if you push that mineral spirit sponge onto your model, the same thing's going to happen, and you're going to just see it all wash away because oh. it's going to be pushed away because that mineral spirits is just going to try to leave and find different cracks and the cracks it finds are the ones that your oil wash was sitting in right and so it'll all go downstream with it so just be careful with that that's why i only put just a little bit of mineral spirits on when i use it to remove fantastic and you can always just dampen it on your paper towel if you feel you got too much on this it. is very exciting to me i feel like i'm learning things and now i have a a, a reignited interest in trying oil washes mm. so i feel like when i first tried it i was like okay this does work better than an acrylic wash but when i try to soak it up it just i just i just screw it i just mess it up so this is this is fantastic advice mm. all right very cool um so one question i think we kind of didn't really answer the best was where to get them and i think john is alluding to your local art store so like a, a dick blick uh, possibly even like a Hobby Lobby or 
uh, a store like that will have oil paints that you can get stuff at. Um, and you're looking for the uh, the artist grade version of that. You can buy those things online as well. Yeah, I don't know any brands though. I don't, maybe like Winton is that is that Windsor and Newton's like? Well, yeah, Windsor and Newton is the one that I use. But there's other um, great um, brands, especially in Europe, because Windsor and Newton I think is mostly popular in North America as well as like Western Europe. But there's a bunch of amazing brands. By and large. Uh, Gamball, I think, is one. Okay. Um, but by and large, at the art store, even if you don't buy them from the art store, because sometimes the art store is going to be more expensive. Sometimes they have sales. Um, but go see what brands they have there. Um, and typically, if it's got an artist grade line and it looks like the nicer one, you're going to be fine. Solid. Um, there. Um, what I do when I purchase mine is I go to Michael's, which is a craft store. And they always have an online coupon for at least 20% off, oftentimes a 40% off, mm-hmm. one item. And sometimes, and I was just there last weekend, I went there to buy some uh, the, some the new, not new, but the golden uh, high flow acrylics, which I'm trying out because I saw a video from, not just Mika! <laughs> um, and I already used those for the fluorescence. And, I, and he showed some of the other ones, so I bought some of those. When I went there, it was 50% off everything for oils. All oil paints, everything they had is 50% off. So typically what I'll do is I will go and buy one color and use a 40% off coupon. Right. I find that's like, that's the best way to do it. I, I don't feel like I'm spending a ton of money at any one time. I'm buying one color that interests me. And I buy that one paint and I get a big, big discount on it. So, and I've not found that like buying stuff online is is cheaper than doing it that way. So I got to think... Wherever you are in the world that you're listening to this, whether you're in North America or you're in New Zealand and anywhere in between, that you have some kind of a craft store that will carry this stuff and they do these kinds of sales. It's pretty customary. Sure. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. If not, um, I have had to order an oil paint on Amazon before because there's a specific color I wanted and they didn't carry it at the store and the price was still reasonable. Right. So just buy from your, you know, your local Amazon or whatever. Find a local online shop that sells it, and you can probably get a pretty good deal. Okay, sick. So now we're kind of getting into the painting with oil paints, as opposed to just doing washes. And I know you mentioned someone earlier by the name of Dmitry Fasejko. He has a phenomenal video introducing that very topic: how how to paint a model with oil paints. Um, and just to make it easy on you, do you want to summarize the thoughts in that video or what you think are most important in that video and then direct our viewers to watch that? Because that, that, I think it is pretty thorough. Yeah. Uh, real quick, because I know this is a question we're going to get, is what colors do I buy for oh, oil, shoot, for oil yeah. washing? Right. I'll talk about the colors for um, the actual thick paint. Thick is in quotes. Um, <laughs> two Cs. Two colors that I recommend you start with for oil washing is some form of black, lamp black or Mars black are the two most common ones. Either one's fine. And then burnt umber. Okay. With those two colors, um, you can make anything from uh, Agrax Earthshade to Nuln Oil. And I often will mix the two colors and create something that is a very dark, but it's not just pure black. Those are the two colors to start with. And those are the colors that I do 80% 80% of my oil washes with some combination or just one or the other. So start with those two. Have you ever tried 
hazard cone orange. <laughs> Uh, yes, I have. Just on the last stream, I tried it. And I want to look at that thing now that it's fully dry to see how vibrant it is. Because okay. I'll go get it. If, do you have something else you want to say? I, no, I was going to transition into what your next topic was. Transition. All right. Where I got the inspiration and whatever kind of experience I'm armed with is totally because of Dimitri in that video. That video gave me enough confidence to feel like I can do this it's not that difficult and he he makes it so it's not so so someplace now okay we're looking at this dude right now how freaking sweet is the orange blends into the bright orange it's it's insane it's so smooth think about how much that would take to if you had a bright orange acrylic paint to achieve that that was 20 seconds <laughs> Yeah, it actually, there is a transition from soft orange to insanely fiery saturated orange. Right. All just because of the uh, the makeup brush. Yep. And so that's something that just like learning brush control, learning makeup control is, <laughs> is something that it's not ones and zeros. I just like inhaled a microphone. <laughs> Um, I feel like I'm smelling recycled air right now. I know. Dude, you're just sitting in our own toots down here. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, yeah. Base level, I, I don't want to do a disservice to the greatness that is Dimitri's video by uh, trying to rush through it too much. But what he does is, he, one, he goes over the, the base colors that he uses. Like, he basically uses, like, 12 colors for everything he paints. And the scary thing is... And something that you're going to have to learn to get get over a little bit is that a lot of this is mixing those colors. Um, this gets to the artsy side of kind of determining what color you're looking for and what colors you have that can create that. And in oils, so many of them, and most of the ones he uses are single pigment colors. Okay. What that means is any color mixing he does gives a true color. There's not some graying down or desaturation that happens. Like almost all of our acrylic paints that we mix with, the only exception being Chimera. If I mix a yellow and a blue Chimera, I'm going to get a bright green. You need a green ass green. I'm going to get some grassy, grassy green. Yeah. That doesn't work if you take like, you know, a Muriel yellow yeah. and a whatever the normal blue is. Cantor, Cantor blue. blue. I don't even know. If you mix those together, that's not going to get you grass green. I think it'll get you a green, but it's gonna look muddy and weird. Yeah. yeah. Because there's there's multiple pigments in each of those colors, as well as white and black. And those things accentuate. The more that you mix the colors together, the dulling comes comes through. So with oils, you really get the ability to create the color that you want to create. Um the next thing, the, the basic level thing for how this works is you're never painting directly out of the tube. You're never taking a big of oil paint, putting it on there and putting it. That's still way too thick. But you can thin it down to be roughly the same consistency as our paint right out of the tube from, uh, excuse me, right out of the bottle from uh, acrylic paint, from like a Games Workshop paint, a layer thickness. You want to work with that, maybe even a little thinner than that. Not because we're worried about any kind of blending with that. We're, we're still really concerned with, we're working on with tiny little figures and we don't want to obscure details. Mm -hmm. So the oil paint can't be so thick that it's going to 
really like I can't even see this person's face anymore right. because it's obscured all those details. Right. So you do want it pretty thin, um, but it can go, you know, like even to uh, like a layer consistency of paint from acrylics um, and have amazing coverage, first of all. And second of all, a ton of drying time for you to blend however you want. Um, what I try to do when I do this um, layering and blending with oils is I start with what, where my highlight is in my highlight color. And I put that, let's say we're dealing with the Space Marine shoulder pad. I'll put a dot of, let's say we're just going to use white and blue for this example. I'll put a circle of white where I want the highlight to be. Okay, And I'm going to have it um, based on how bright I want the, bright, the highlight to be or how kind of subdued I want it to be will dictate how big of my circle is going to be. Right. And then I take my blue and I basically color the rest of the coloring page. I color all around that white circle. Now I've got the whole shoulder pad has some paint on it. And then I just wipe my brush clear with a paper towel. And then I start with that point where those two colors meet. And I kind of just swish around there. I, I do little circles and I go maybe a little bit out to the outer edge, clean my brush out again, and maybe I'll work it in reverse. And I, have, and I work back towards the highlight. And this way I can keep that white if I want some part to be pure white, I can keep that. Or I can build back up towards the center of that highlight of that circle until no pure white exists anymore. But because that's the area that started with that pure highlight, it's much brighter as, than compared to the sides. So it's just free blending. One thing that's really important is, um, like I said, to be drying off your brush because this paint will stick and stay wet on your brush and so let's say i'm working down into the blue or on the edges if i were to then go right back up to that white center point again and blend again i'm going to screw it up mm -hmm. why am i going to screw it up scott because you have dark paint in your brush still and yep. then you go into your white and now that dark paint is in your white yep you can do a lot more of <laughs> fiddling about and and messing with colors and never cleaning your brush with this stuff but you still need to remember, especially when you're going into your brighter colors, what's the state of my brush? Yeah. Do I need to wipe it clean? Again, when I wipe it clean, I'm not getting all of that blue off of there. I'm just getting most of it off. Yeah. So when I go back to my highlight, a tint of that blue will then mix into that white and go away. So at its basic level, that's really what Dimitri talks about. And that's the the level that I um, that I try to achieve. Um, and I haven't done a whole lot more in depth than that, other than doing that a number of times and really kind of getting the hang of it. I'm not an expert in the application of that yet. There's so much more to it. Um, but it's crazy the first time you do that and you realize this blend is better than if I would have spent 10 hours trying to do the same thing <laughs> with acrylics. Probably it's not just 10 hours. I mean, I don't know, because you so much glazing and so much back and forth, and it it still keeps that strong vibrancy. Oftentimes, when we mess with acrylics to try to create a smooth blend, we lose saturation too, yes. and we still want that vibrant color. And this just it it, it makes it work. Um, and there's obviously a bunch of skill involved in it, but having no skill, having not done it before, the first time I did it, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's been this easy all along. Yeah. It, and I think that's one of the reasons why people like James Wapple is just like, I'm just going whole hog on this. Like yeah. knowing that the amount of hours that he puts in on a weekly basis 
to to painting in general to just go straight into oils um you can see the craziness in the depth of color in the interests of color and how he's learned with thin over thick and thick over thin there's these different ways that oils work and don't work together that's it's it's a little bit more complicated and you'll learn that as you go um but typically the basics of that are if you put down what you consider a thick paint say i did that shoulder pad and we used a relatively thick paint to create that blend if I wanted to then work over top of that again, maybe I wanted to build in some purples in the deepest shadows or something like that. While the paint's still wet, you can still do that. You've got all day to do that. I want to do it with a thinner purple. I don't want it to be as thick as that stuff that I just did. You want to work thin over thick and vice versa. <laughs> and it's kind of confusing. I'm not an expert in it, but that's kind of a basic rule of thumb um, that oil paints work with it something about how then the emulsion happens more naturally that way rather than 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 an existing paint and we we put another thick on top of it to try to make them work together you just make it much more hard and it doesn't come out as smooth and clean okay um are there any health concerns uh, <laughs> don't lick your brush right um I need a mask while I'm while I'm working with oils or sorry like odorless thinners and stuff like that. No, no. I mean, I don't think so. I'm sure someone's going to tell me I'm wrong in that, but I don't. I don't do anything different. You're more. You're at more of a health hazard from airbrushing without a mask than you are with oil painting without a mask. Yeah, I, that is also just true in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just don't have the the airborne particulates. Right. Okay. Very cool. Um. Um, the one important thing is if this was 1776, then yes, there would be health hazards. <laughs> but what these paints are made out of um, now aren't, there's not a bunch of mercury in them and stuff like that. That are, yeah. um, You don't want to like, you don't want to get a bunch of it soaking into your skin. But even if you do a little bit, because I've been known to wipe my brush off on my skin and stuff. And I oh, haven't died yet. Don't tell them that. I know. But don't, I mean, use the, use the paper towel. That's what it's there for. But um, otherwise, no. That's why we're using the artist odorless thinners. We're not using the stuff from the hardware store. We're using stuff that's made to be long extended times of using that and being close to it while while artists are working. Okay. Um, there are some ways to use oil paint, not in a washing capacity and also not in a whole hog painting capacity. That might be a little bit good to talk about just because it's kind of like an intermediate step. Sure. And um, I discovered one when I was, I didn't discover it, but I tried one out when I was uh, painting the Renegade Knight. Uh, and I was inspired by model kit painters and what mm. they do with oil paint sometimes. They'll take uh, a brown, like a burnt umber, and uh, on a place where uh, a tank shell made a hole in some armor, they'll put a little a little blob of oil paint right below the hoil the hoil the uh, hole that was oil and hole put together and then they'll take a totally clean soft brush and then they'll just feather the oil blob down and what it does is it creates this wonderful little soft drip um so it's great for things like oil spills and leaking and rust and another way that i saw francesco ferrabi use oil paints on a largely acrylic project was to paint the model fully and then when he needed a bump of contrast he took white oil paint 
and he applied it to the very brightest spots and then feathered it out. And that just boosted the final height to a max white in a nice way. Whereas using normal white acrylic paint to do that operation would be a pain in the ass. Yeah, because light colors in acrylics do not like to thin down and create a smooth transition. Oh, God, no. Yeah. So those are two ways that I know that you can use oil paints to accent your acrylic paint jobs so you don't have to like go totally into it but do you know of any other ways no i think that i think talking about things like environmental effects and battle damage and streaking and that kind of stuff is a great it's a great thing and and why it works there is really holds true to the same kind of uh laws of how oil paints work you that rust example you shared works because you can create a very smooth almost natural transition of yeah. how that faded rust would would drip down over time and streaks would form and still be faded and it works that way you can still achieve that with uh, acrylics it's just much more work um and doesn't have this nice easy fade away so i say that that's a great kind of next step if you're looking at oil washes and you're kind of messing with that before you want to go whole hog and really try um oil paints on on the heavier level that that's a that's a big one um, to try because you can you can work with a lot slightly thicker paint that way for your first time and what you've learned by removing and, and kind of thinning out and softening the washes applies to that just the same um, i will say one other thing here quick about uh, going back over the top with oils like even the thick oils with acrylics is as long as that paint is cured i go right back over the top and I learned that from Dimitri, and he shows it in his videos as well, that once that paint is cured, he just goes straight over the top for his final little touch bright highlights um, with acrylics. And here's one downside that I've found with, uh, with oils. And it's not really a downside, it's just an understanding of the limitations. Where acrylics are not as good as creating those blends compared to oils, they are much, much better at those fine line details. Oh yeah. You know, okay. The Recess shading. Yeah, that the the little tiny edge of a scratch and the bright edge highlight and stuff. Again. Oh, okay. That. Okay. Yep. When you're just trying to paint the eye, you can do that with oils. Acrylics are just more efficient at it and a little bit easier at doing that. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, um not that you can't do 100% oil painted models and James Wapple does a lot of those. Um, if I would make one critique and this is just my own personal view, when I look at his finalized uh, models done all in oils, I th often think they're missing some of the crispness because that can be accomplished with, um, with the acrylics as a kind of a final step. Um, sometimes they don't, they look great and they don't need it at all, but mm -hmm. I say that'd be my only thing to look at. So, okay. So yeah, uh, and again, you don't need to varnish before you do that as well. Again, you just want to make sure that's fully fully cured. Um, it can take a while for the oil to cure, even when you're working this thin. When I painted like those Space Marine kill team, I put it under a standard lamp. I put the models under a standard lamp for a couple days um, to get them cured in time because I was freaking out because I had to get this done for a video. And so my <laughs> release schedule... Um, but we're still thinning it down an awful lot because traditional oil painting, and you're working with thick straight out of the tube, sometimes very thick on a canvas paint, 
can take months and months to cure. Like seven months or more is not uncommon. Wow. So this is, we're working on a much more diluted scale, which is again, it's like dilute your oil paints. You don't want to sit there and touch it and it's tacky a week later. Um, but even so, sometimes it can be fully cured and it still does have a little bit of a shine or tack to it. And then I do varnish it at that point. Okay. Just to knock it back and kind of seal it in place. Yep. All right. Anything else you want to talk oh about my oil God. paints? You made me t- talk so much. I feel like we started the episode really fucking fiery and energy and and energy and it's energetic. Energy. And then we just got real serious. You just, yeah, you just gave me this super like hardcore news interview where I have to talk about why I'm killing baby seals for fun. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I have to sound serious like there's a real purpose for this because the seals are eating all the fish. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You did a great job. I feel like I learned something. I have more confidence about doing oil washes now for sure. The question I often get, the question I get in the comments when I do some oil painting and videos is where do I buy a set? Where do I buy a set of oils if I want to get started in it? Um, and unfortunately, from what I've found, I'm sure something out there exists and I've not found it. You can certainly let us know in the comments below or um, in the Facebook page or wherever. Um, buying a set of oil paints does exist, but they're always student grade. So you're going to you're gonna feel good because you're going to have a set, but the quality of those is not going to probably do you very good service so i've just picked them up one at a time as i have needed them um, the rough side is that there are certain colors that are certain pigments typically um, most commonly found in our primary colors the like a cadmium yellow um, a cadmium red and a thalo blue blue is not as, as expensive but we're an average price of a winsor newton artist color um, it was roughly 12 bucks, 14 bucks a bottle. The cadmium yellow, I think was $35. Yeah. Cadmium red also. Yep. Very expensive. Yep. Um, but again, those, those are your primaries and they're gonna mix with everything. And that yellow, you ever struggle with painting yellows or whites in acrylics? Oh baby. Struggle no more. Struggle no more. <laughs> it's only going to cost you three easy installments of eleven ninety nine. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's one thing too. Is you, you, the other thing that I think is nice about not recommending a full set is that um, you can do this slowly and not feel like you've wasted or invested so much money if you find out that it's just like not for you, or I like it for this, but I don't want to use it for everything. You're you're not out a ton of money. Again, you can start with those two colors I recommended for washes. And, you know, if you want to say, well, I'm going to maybe I want to just test out. I already have black. Maybe I'm going to buy a cool blue and I'm going to create a moody space marine with just blue and black with the blending of the armor and see how I like it. See how it goes. There yeah. you go. You only test bought model one more color. Yep. Yeah. You're just test model with a new approach. All right. We got quite a stacked news segment for you today. Woo! All right. I feel good. I'm done with seriousness. Let's talk some funny stuff. Yeah, you passed the test. Well, now, I guess the, the, the sprues and spruettes, as I call them, not goody peepees because I have respect. <laughs> uh, they get to determine if you pass the test. All right. First thing on the news item, Ari Painter is awarded for COVID work? Yeah. I actually saw this and I had, n- I had no idea what this is. Yeah. So I don't. 
You don't know either, apparently. <laughs> no, let's, either. let's read this article real quick. One of our amazing uh, listeners sent us this in an email uh, to our Trapped Under Plastic email. Okay. So thank you for doing that. And uh, and so they were awarded. I think it was because they shifted um, some of their production stuff to create. I, I thought they were creating like hand sanitizer and that kind of stuff earlier on in the um, in the, the pandemic. Yeah, so uh, you might not know this, but Iron Painter is uh, mostly situated in Denmark. And apparently they made, <laughs> the quote here is hand alcohol. I assume it's hand sanitizer. Yeah, they made some and they gave it to nursing homes and schools. And then the story kind of just got into the news. Um, I think maybe mostly Denmark news. Um, but that's pretty cool. And we have a link to the Instagram post. I talked about it, which also links the article. Uh, so you can check it out if you're interested in that. I think that's awesome. We can go army painter. I think that is awesome as well. Doing the Lord's work. Doing the Lord's work. Okay, next news item is a little thing called Chaos Rising. I had not heard of this. When you put it on there, I watched it yesterday. Did you? Okay. Very excited about this. This is a bit of me right here. The the start of it when they actually were so this is uh it's a the crowdfunding is this a Kickstarter? Yes, yeah, Kickstarter. It's a Kickstarter campaign for a movie. Yes, for a Warhammer Universe fantasy, short story, fantasy movie. Yeah, um, and when I first watched it, they had like this like intro scene that's kind of try to give you a, a an idea of what the movie is going to be like. Yeah, it's pretty eye rolly to me. Was it? And then when they got to them actually like talking through and explaining, and they're doing funny things, and the people are killing each other while the creators are talking through their their vision and what they want to create, that was freaking awesome. Yeah. I love that. I'm like, dude, make that the movie. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, uh, yeah. So follows this, a chaos war band. Yes. That's uh, invading a Bretonia castle. Live action, by the way. Live action. This is not animated. No. So I I love this. I would I've wanted to kickstart a short story about like a vampire hunter hunting a vampire for like a long time, and this this is exactly this. It's a it's a real live action short story in the Warhammer universe. And I am so moist about it. Oh yeah, this makes me think that we could we could do that vampire one on Kickstarter so much better. What? Like we we just ask for like six hundred bucks, six hundred bucks. Yeah, I'll just do. I'll just put a bed sheet on. And yeah. I already have the fangs. There you go. And then we can get you like a leather coat. Yeah, six hundred bucks can buy that stuff. Yeah. And then we just like run around the parks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> cell phone camera. Yeah, cell phone Easy. camera. Foam swords. Like what's what's the six hundred bucks for? Uh, the leather coats for food and the bed sheet for tendies. Yeah. And then for it, we got, it's like a seven day production shoot. That's like seven days worth of tendies. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. 600 bucks. Okay. Budget done. Check it out. If you're interested in that, uh, it's linked down in the show notes. Uh, super excited about that. Yeah. It, and the upcoming sequel count tendy <laughs> <laughs> unofficial sequel, <laughs> uh, MPO, AKA the miniature painting open. Um, this is a painting competition that I discovered from the unofficial Golden Demon Compendium, mm -hmm. which if you've been around the block for a bit, uh, for the longest time, GW did not have a way to show off old Golden Demon winners mm -hmm. in any way. 
In the last two years, three years possibly, they have an official site. But for the longest time, the unofficial Golden Demon Compendium cataloged all of the winners from all the way back in 2001. You can actually still go and look at first place, second place, third place in single sci-fi uh, for 40K. Um, and you can see how painting has progressed over the years, competitive painting. Um, so I saw this article on their Instagram, and it was about a competition that is being run by Cult of Paints and um, another company that I can't remember the name of at the moment. Give me a second. Uh, the Miniature Compendium. Um, and it's an open tournament. And I didn't realize this until reading this article, but what the term open means is that uh, anyone can get any number of people can get golds and silvers and bronzes if they meet the criteria. Oh, cool! Like oh, the like Nova, Nova Open, Open. exactly. <laughs> um, so this is an online tournament. People ask all the time about online tournaments and like where to go if I want to, you know, kind of cut my teeth um, on on competitive painting. Here's an example. Try this out. There are a bazillion categories, uh, and you can get golds and silvers uh, based on a rubric. So it's I think it's a great way to try it out it being competitive painting i i uh read through all of this you did and it was interesting two things stuck out to me one they are live streaming the award ceremony that's cool which is freaking cool yeah i I love that yes it's you know you want to give people their props and see people excited and everything then i went to their uh section called image photography scott i actually didn't read this Um, that, that part and they gave a couple of tips about image photography and then they end with a little bullet point right here it goes without saying, your photos should be unaltered. We will reach out to the artist if we believe the image is doctored and request another image slash video to verify. Photoshopped images are easily spotted and any entered will be removed and disqualified. Bullshit. That's bullshit, yeah. Bullshit it, you can tell if it's Photoshopped. It's very hard if you do it well. Yeah, I mean, a simple slight tweak on your saturation gauge oh, yeah. can make a... a, a relatively well-painted miniature look amazing and you're not going to be able to tell that okay we appreciate the sentiment let's say that but what you are saying you can do i don't think it's possible i don't think you can tell if i can if i bump the contrast up 10 pips yes like you're not going to tell if i increase the sharpening by five um so yeah I guess you can tell if someone goes with like a with a, with a blending feather and tries to blend a thing. Yeah, then yep. it gets a little weird. Yeah, yeah. You zoom that in, it can you can see some odd pixelation and stuff with that too. And I'm not shitting on them for no, making no, no, that yeah. comment. I think they, they they need to say it. Yes, right? you yeah, you need to say it. Don't mess with your photos. Yeah, but it happens. Close circuit to all you out there. <laughs> uh, a lot of the photos that you're looking at of minis that are posted on Instagram, I've had a little doctrine. Yeah. It happens, and, and it's not. I'm not saying that it means that you're a terrible person or you're a liar or whatever. Like it's, it kind of goes for the course of you're trying to show it as close as you can to what it looks like in person, and sometimes it just ends up looking a little better. Uh, <laughs> it just happens, right? Um, uh, yeah. And I'm not good enough at, at Photoshop to do that. That's why I'm complaining. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> just apply a camera raw filter and just bump the contrast. <laughs> Just, just just get it going. Smoothness filter. You seen those smoothness filters people do? I have I'm like, not. oh man, that is not what a real miniature looks like in person. That is obvious to tell. Yeah, that is obvious, but still, it, it looks cool. Anyway, that's not our only one. I'm just going to, because of these are kind of sl- slightly connected. Um, Resin Beast 2021. They also uh, notified us that Resin Beast 2021 will happen. Um, 
I forgot where the link was to this, but that's coming up soon as well. And they are going to bring back some cash prizes for painting the creature caster models. It's kind of bigger and better this year. Last year they had one, but it was kind of just like a community one. Everyone submitted your photos and, and there was random prizes for, you know, random people that submitted. Now that is still a thing. So if you just put it on Instagram and do hashtag resin beast, um, you get in the, the drawing for for prizes which is awesome just painting a model yeah but they also are going to have the formal resin beast with the trophy say where it's going to be what say where it's going to be it's for it's online oh shit really yeah so scott i need you to take awesome pictures of my miniature for me okay let's do it i will doctor the shit out of that (laughs) let's see if you can photo check this photoshop job (laughs) um that's cool i didn't know that they probably announced it on their instagram or their website something like that Yep, I think it was like I was like I don't want to misquote this, but it was something like nine hundred bucks, cash prize first place. Maybe. Whoa, give me that money. Yeah. All right, so here's the question, John. Here's the question. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask. What are you going to ask? Is Big Mama Dragon going in this for nine hundred bucks? I think she might. I think. She really? Might. Yeah, I think she might. Wow. Okay. I thought you would wait. No, because I've come to the point where I feel like I, um, by the time maybe another one were to come around, um. I could do a better job. I think I'm a better painter. Yeah. Than that. Okay. And, fair. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's, I'm still on the fence. I'm not hundred percent going to enter it. I don't know. But I, first thing, first and foremost is like, I need to take really good pictures of it. And that will be my deciding factor. If I'm happy with the pictures, because some models, this is true for all of us. Some models look better in person than they do in the pictures we take. And some models look better in pictures than they do in person. Yes. We've seen it. It happens to all of us. It's just kind of, I don't know what magic is that makes it work that way. (laughs) She looks so much better in person. And I hate it because it's like, I tried so hard to take good pictures of her. I tried so hard. He's going all stained on this. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I was like, I don't want, I'm not going to end her if I feel like I just want people to see her in person because I think she looks so much better. If I can get good pictures, maybe I will. Who okay. Knows? Let's talk about Benjamin. Let's talk about our good buddy Benjamin Comets. I had the greatest 20-ish minutes. You watched it the whole thing? YouTube video nostalgia in the last three years of my life. <laughs> this was me going back to starting as a miniature painter and watching every painting Buddha video oh, so yeah. many times. Yep. And Ben came down from on high. Yep. And he said, I bequeath unto you <laughs> the small nugget. The small nugget for you of mini painting wisdom. You peasants. <laughs> Ben's a very humble person. He's not talk like this at all. No. But in our brains, he does. Yes. Uh, Benjamin! So I just saw the title, and I was like, what the fuck? And I skipped right to the gravy. Uh, I was like, what's <laughs> going on here, Ben? He uses his teacup to paint rust. He's, he, he paints a bust shoulder pad. There's like armored shoulder pad on this creepy Nurgle Cyclops dude. And he dunks it in his cup of tea. No, he doesn't. He does the first time. And then it screws it up. And he's like, oh, that was wrong. Which, by the way, Ben, there is a moment of comedic gold there that you just let pass you by. <laughs> he didn't even like, I'm like, all you had to do, because he dunks it in and he pulls it up and the whole thing is like shit brown. Because <laughs> he painted this thing like a beautiful, like cream colored shoulder pad that he's going to rustify. Rustify. And he dunks the whole thing in and it comes out and it's just all brown. And he goes, oh, that was not right. And I'm like, all you had to do was quick cut to your face going like, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, or like have like the color bars come up and be like, you know, the brief pause while we <laughs> unfuck this. <laughs> and somehow he did. And then because there's these little flakes, almost like like fish food flakes. Yeah, that's that, what it looked that like. form in tea. And I don't know what kind of weird British tea this is. Um, maybe it's all tea. I don't drink tea. Yeah. No, to ask my wife. She drinks tea. And he kind of goes, he's like he's hydro dipping. Yes. It's like how they put the shoes in with the weird like Mickey Mouse thing and they put the shoes in and they pull it up and then the Mickey Mouse thing happens. What he did with the miniatures, he cra- he grabbed those little fish flakes, scooped them up onto the, the little piece of the shoulder pad and then they dried there and it looks like crusted rust. Yeah. So I have so many questions. <laughs> I don't have so many, but I have a few. How did you discover this? How, how oh, is, didn't he put tea in water and that's when the little flakes... Well, he drinks, he said he's a heavy tea drinker and that he noticed one day that there's these little like deposits. Also, I think it started with as the tea goes down or it evaporates in the cup, you can see the ring, like this almost rust ring okay. of the water line. Yeah. As it evaporates. And he thought, huh, huh, huh. And then uh, he's like, he's going to try to grab those little bits that make that discoloration on a mini. And that was, that was it. And the second question I have is, surely... You can reproduce this in a way that doesn't involve fucking around with tea, fish, food flakes. Yes, but I don't think that's the point. Okay, I think that's not like you're you're sharing this with the world because this is now a new innovation that we're all going to be doing. Sure, I think okay. this is like he's so fucking seeing in the matrix at this point. <laughs> yeah, honestly, he is. Yeah, it's like everything is he's just so ones ahead. And zeros. Yeah, he's so ahead of everyone. Yeah, so him just like. Looking at the world through his own lens is like there's no dissemination between real world and miniature painting. And so something that catches his eye and inspires him, he's going to just try to do it. That's so true. Honestly, yeah. like, yeah, everything is is a tool for miniature painting. Almost. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Watch the video. It's it's fantastic. Also gives you a taste of what his videos are like for his Patreon, which if I might be wrong, but I think Ben Comet had the very first patreon for miniature painting videos ever i think you're probably right yeah so he's he's got he's quite a catalog he started that like right after it might have even been when painting buddha was still going on or it was this association or right after it one yeah. or the other yeah which was before anybody did it so yeah also dude has seven slayer swords so just listen to him <laughs> you just see and then the i'll paint all tea if, if that's what i need to do okay man <laughs> just tell me what to do do i need a lavender tea do i need an earl grey tea what kind of tea are we talking about um yeah it's funny because in like his talking head in the beginning of the video he's just like sitting there's a white wall behind him there's like a half cut off one of his display cases or whatever, and then just like leaning against the wall, just like a whole armory of Slayer swords. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like the the true weapon rack right there. God damn it! God damn it! All right, last bit of news: Warhammer Animation Team has absorbed the man who is responsible for Astartes, which I was very happy to get to share with you at VinciCon. I had never seen Astartes. My God, how, what rock have you been liver, I knew, living I under? I knew what it existed. I'd known about it for a long time. I just never gave a flying fuck. Do you hate yourself? <laughs> um, I shit on it the whole time we were watching, too. Uh, you didn't. <laughs> I, sh- I, I mean, I did a, a bit. Okay, but just because you hate Space Marines. 
the, um, I hate the fact that it was terrible storytelling, but uh, I disagree. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, the animation team uh, got that guy responsible for that and, and put him in some kind of employment, along with two or three other studios with the plan to create um, two to three more animated short stories. Uh, and I'm very excited about that. I love the stardies. I loved how it made Space Marines look like the badasses that I think everyone says they are. Right. Um, it certainly did. And the animation and the visual effects were in the compositing was fucking flawless. And uh, you might not know this, but the background I have in editing comes from doing visual effects first due to my love of Freddy W and Quarter Digital. Um, so I loved everything about that series. Uh, it was amazing. Um, and I'm excited to see this guy get employed to do more stuff. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think that that if that's not a fucking resume that gets you on the payroll, because they, it's like it's one of those things. One of the reasons that I was all howdy about this thing was that I was like I was so pissed that GW was just cashing checks that should have been going to this guy. Yeah, this whole time, absolutely. You yeah, know? and that bugs me that someone did something so amazing for somebody else's brand. Right, and that bugged me. Yeah. But it was super cool. I get that. I was so. I mean, the the reason one of the reasons that I was ticked off about it was like, okay, so this like two space marine dudes can kill an entire chaos warship of a million dudes and psychers and whatever until the big green tennis ball came and sucked them in. <laughs> but I'm just like, what the fuck is this game like? Two thousand. If that's the case, this two thousand point army of, of right. space marines should murder everybody at the same time. That that's the problem with the the association between the lore and the actual game. They can't be as good as yeah. they are. Like, and then and then think about that. Think about Grey Knights. Those guys are even crazier. And then think about so then Grey Knights. Think about the Golden Guys. Whatever the the Guardians of the Emperor are. Those guys are even Custo crazier. Custodies. Custodies. Yeah, yeah, but Custodies is like a fifteen model army. Or yeah, twelve model army. But it should be a one man army. You know, it should be like I'm fucking God. You can't touch this. Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> he just with a bolter. Yeah. He's yeah. just fucking laying waste to everyone. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So that's yeah. that. Yeah, they can. They can. They were. They were taking out snipers at three hundred yards with a bolter with a guy just going like, oh, like the, okay, the, the, the plasma pistol. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, it was very cool. Good for them. I hope this is, I hope this is the tip of the iceberg, of Games Workshop opening their goddamn eyes that they don't have the answers for everything, and everything that they do is not just awesome because it's them. That other people are also awesome, and they need to see that, and they need to reward that. Namely, us. We are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Official Games Workshop podcast. Trapped under plastic. We can do nothing but shit on them. <laughs> Are you hoping that GW will employ us to run a podcast? No, that's you know how much of a liability that is. Yeah, they would. They're like, hey, how are we going to sink this ship as Rem fast as possible? Remember when we tried to get Darren Latham on the podcast? Yeah, hard no. <laughs> <laughs> they watch like seven minutes of one episode and they just they're in the big room and the guy just turns the TV like, off. Like, are you joking? <laughs> in what fucking world do you live? All right. Oh, the podcast. This is John just fucking spew verbal diarrhea. At this you. is what we do best. We talk words about <laughs> things that make no sense. About things. <laughs> Benjamin Comets is here to bring down upon you. 
You would get that joke if you were a patron and you watched the extended episode of this podcast. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, how's that for a segue? Nice. You can support us on Patreon. You get access to an extended episode where we talk about favorite models that we've seen from other painters. We give feedback to one of our audience members. And we also talk about new things that we've explored in the hobby uh, for the last two weeks. Uh, so also, obviously, as a patron, you get access to giving us your miles for feedback. But also, you get access to giving us topics. Because today came from Sean Fleming. Sean's Fleming. That was all Sean. And his e- Fleming. Even though John was sweating the entire time, God. that was all Sean's fault. Sean, you made me work so damn hard. <laughs> These tendies are going to taste even better for hey. lunch today. Uh, so yeah, you can support us that way. You can support us by buying some merch. I'm wearing one of the hoodies today. Uh, John's wearing a t-shirt with a different design on it. Uh, you can find those things on Teespring, linked below. You can also support us by watching uh, our ads on YouTube with uh, a whitelisting add-on that works on Chrome and Mozilla Firefox. And you can also rate us on things like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and also share us with your nerd friends. You are so good at that. I'm so good at shilling. You just, it's like, it was, the transition was seamless. Everyone thought we were talking about really fun things. And before they knew it. I was selling them something. You were selling them <laughs> something. Uh, is there anything else you want to sell them right now? Uh, watch Kill Your Friends when it comes out. Please, for the love of God, <laughs> please watch it the whole way through. I don't even care if you're there at the desk. Just let it play because <laughs> I need that retention. Show your friends it. Show your mom it. Show your dad it. Show your cat it. Show everyone you know it, please. <laughs> please. It took me so long. Oh, boy. That's so right. we are officially at the official end of the podcast, not the faux end of the podcast where Scott talks about stuff for 20 minutes. <laughs> we hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, your week, your month, your life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and we hope that we see you at the next podcast episode. And that's all we're going to say. I'm going to quit talking. But until then, we'll catch you on the flippity flop.